We'll get started. Let me pray. Let me open us in a word of is this on? Yeah. Okay. Or it says record. All right. Uh, Jesus, thanks for this morning. Thanks that we can come to your word and uh, learn a little bit more about this obscure Old Testament feast. I would pray that as we do so that uh, you would help us to see how it's all interrelated, how your word is pointing uh, to Christ and that we would uh, be the better for it and that we would find encouragement in your name. Amen. Okay, so great. Uh, so for the next couple of weeks, we are going through Old Testament feasts. These were fun things that the Jewish people got to do. They got to party some more. Um, and so today we're going to go to probably like, we're going to talk about the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's probably one of the more famous feasts. Uh, it's really connected with the Passover. So if you guys, you guys all have a sheet, right? Okay, cool. Um, so let's start with uh, just talking about what is the Passover and what is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Tub, you want to read that paragraph from Leviticus? Sure. Leviticus 23:40. These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, the holy convocations which you shall proclaim at the time appointed for them. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at twilight, in, in the Lord's Passover. And on the fifteenth day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day, you shall you <clears throat> shall have a holy convocation. Uh, you shall not do any ordinary work, but you shall uh, present a food offering to the Lord for seven days. On the seventh day is is a holy convocation. You should not do any ordinary work. Okay, cool. So this is just like a basic timeline of the month that stands right there from. So it says, this is the first month of the Jewish calendar. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, so I didn't include it. But uh, the 14th day is, it says right there, um, verse 5, right? And the first month on the 14th day of the month at twilight. So this is going to be like, this is, it's, com- it's confusing because uh, the way the Jewish uh, day works is um, we do it from like 12 a.m., to 12 a.m. is like the 12th, right? But for them, it's from sunset to sunset is the 12th. And so it's like, I don't know, 6 p.m. or 7 p.m., right? Um, And so this is like the eve of the day before to the eve of 14th. Anyway, so... The first day is Passover. We'll talk more about this. The first day is Passover, and then that begins the seven-day-long feast of unleavened bread. The notes are right there at the table. Um, and then we'll talk. We'll talk more about this. We'll fill it up. Uh, let's. But then let's talk a little bit. Well, any questions? Just right off the bat. Holy yes, holy complication. Sorry, that's the word that it's used right there. Right. On the first day, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. Holy convocation is just a fancy way of saying Sabbath. It's a non-Saturday Sabbath. So all the rules of the Sabbath still apply, right? Like you can't work. Um, you can't make a lot of food. You're only uh, later on. We'll talk about how like you're only supposed to make enough food 
for yourself. And so it's just a Sabbath. <coughs> but it's like on a not Saturday. Saturday. Alright. Um, let's go to, let's talk a little bit more about how it originated. And like that will help us talk about what the purpose of this institution was. Um, Harry, you want to read that really long Exodus. passage from Exodus? Yes. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if, for if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a whole holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days. But what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall absorb, ab, observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day I brought your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month, from the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a sojourner, or a native of the land, you shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwelling places, you shall eat unleavened bread. Okay, thank you. It's a long passage. So, um, Exodus 12 is where Moses is bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt, right? And then they have this little skirmish between Moses and Pharaoh. You get the song like "Let my people go," right? Like so, he's like not like letting his people go, and then so God sends these plagues onto uh, the Egyptians. And then I think there was a movie that came out recently about the 10 plagues. Anyway, so um, so God sends these plagues and the 10th and final plague that was going to, well, I should say that God sent all these plagues and Pharaoh still, it says, hardened his heart and wouldn't let Israel go. And so God sent this 10th and final plague, which was to kill all the firstborn throughout the land of Egypt. Um, and so there was... <clears throat> So when it, when it picks up in verse 12, it, God is saying like, um, every, all the firstborn of the people of Egypt are going to die unless you kill a lamb, a lamb of one year old, a one year old lamb without blemish, um, and you smear the blood on the doorposts, right? This is the door. And then the lintels, which is the thing on the top. So you smear the blood. And then when that happens, like this like angel... I'll draw a bird. Um, it's like a dove, right? It's gonna pass over, and it has like a sword, right? And then if if there's no blood, right, then that household, um, the firstborn of that household dies, uh, including animals. And it says how there was a great whale that arose from the land of Egypt. Anyway, so what happens was um, the angel passed over the houses with the blood, and it killed all the Egyptians' firstborns because they didn't observe this. They didn't 
put blood, including Pharaoh's firstborn. Because after that, Pharaoh's like, just go, just leave. Um, and so, uh, part of the commandment, commandment was you had to, on the, on the 14th day, you were going to slay a lamb. Okay, <laughs> a lamb. You're gonna slay it, and then um, on the fifteenth day, you're gonna on the morning, you're gonna eat it, and then whatever was left over, you're gonna burn it. And then we'll talk more about how, where that it, it comes from the Deuter- Deuteronomy passage right behind. Anyway, so this is kind of like the pattern that was set. Now, um, okay, so. After the people eat, uh, ate this lamb, meanwhile, for these seven days, they were supposed to eat unleavened bread, right? That's where it comes from. Uh, seven days, in verse 15, seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses, for if anyone eats what is leavened on the first day, you sh- that person shall be cut off from Israel. So during this time, this unleavened Now, why do you think? Oh, yeah, unleavened bread. Um, yes, that's a very good question. Uh, so we don't we don't bake our own bread anymore, right? But back then, when you bake bread, you would put, or so I'm told, you would put <laughs> leaven in the bread. You would you would mix it into the dough, right? When you knead the dough, and then when you bake it, the leaven is what helps the bread to rise. It's like it creates like these little pockets of air in the bread. And then it's yeast. like yeast, yeah. It makes the bread like yummy and fluffy. But if you don't, if you eat unleavened bread, it's like really dry and like kind of like a cracker. Um, but part of the reason why um, the people were commanded to eat unleavened bread, let's see if it was included in this. Um, part of the reason why they were commanded to eat unleavened bread was because. When there's yeast, when the when you're waiting for the bread to rise, it takes a long time. Um, so, so if you just eat like a cracker, it's gonna take you know a short amount of time. But if you're waiting for the bread to rise and like have like this delicious meal, and it's like, it's, then it takes it takes longer, right? But then the people like they were like it was nighttime, right? The angels gonna pass over, kill everybody, and then like as soon as Pharaoh says go. They need to like book it before Pharaoh's like, never mind. You know, I I changed my mind, and so that's one reason why uh, the people were commanded to eat unleavened bread. Any questions so far about like the fe- the festival itself, or like how it might have originated? <coughs> so, so the reason for unleavened bread was because it was more time efficient. Time efficient. Uh, that's that's one reason. We'll we'll talk more about the reasons right there on the back. But then one yeah one reason was like when they were commanded, when they were being told what to eat. I didn't include it because Exodus already the passage in Exodus is already so long. But um, when they were eating this, they were supposed to like eat with their sandals on. They were supposed to eat with like their staff in hand and eat this unleavened bread and just get ready to like. Okay. But then if you know anything about Jewish culture, like um, eating is like a very like uh, 
sacred. It's a community thing. You're supposed to like recline with one another. You're supposed to recline at the table, not with one another. <laughs> yeah, it's like fast food, right? For the for the Israel Israelites back then. Okay, cool. Um, so let's, if you turn over, we're going to talk about you know, what was the purpose of this? Uh, was was God just being weird? Like, you know, they could have they just eaten unleavened bread right here, right? Like, why do they need to observe it for seven days? Like, what's with all this um, religious rituals? Uh, and so there's two broad reasons. Uh, and the first reason, like I said, number one is looking back. It's a memorial. Um, Again, this wasn't included, but this is the first month of the Jewish calendar. Um, and this became like, when God said, like, this is going to be, um, from now on, this is going to be the first month of your calendar. Like, your whole identity, your whole uh, yeah, identity as a people, as a country, is going to revolve almost around this event. So when God brought the people out of Egypt... Um, and so, throughout, throughout the so this is like you know Exodus, right? So throughout like the whole Old Testament, like this this was like written into the law. This is what they were sup- supposed to observe um, forever. So let's let's read from Exodus twelve fourteen and seventeen. This is just uh, I just took some verses out of the other passage from Exodus twelve. Jeff, you want to just read those two verses? Exodus twelve. Yeah. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. And you shall observe the feast of the leavened bread, for on this very day I brought your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. Okay, cool. I forgot to bold throughout your generations as a statute forever. That, that was supposed to be even bold. Uh, but the idea that, again, like, this is, is a statute that's being passed on. It's supposed to be observed forever throughout the generations. Um, and so, one more chapter. Uh, let's see. Tommy, you want to read that uh, paragraph from Deuteronomy? Okay. Observe the month of Abib and keep Passover to the Lord your God for the month of Abib. The Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. And you shall. Also, the Passover sacrifice to the Lord your God, from the flock or the herd, at the place that the Lord will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days uh, you shall eat uh, with unleavened bread, the bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, that all the days of your life may, you may remember the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. No leaven shall be seen with you in all the territory for seven days, you shall offer the Passover sacrifice in the evening at sunset, at the time you came out of Egypt. Very cool. So if we read, if, if you look at the Deuteronomy chapter, uh, in verse 3 it says, you shall eat the unleavened, you shall eat it with unleavened bread, the bread of affliction. Um, so this is another reason why we talk about why the bread was unleavened. So the unleavened bread here is called the bread of affliction. And that's because uh, the affliction was what the, the people tasted, right, in the land of Egypt. Like for 400 years, 
or more. Um, they were enslaved uh, and they were afflicted by Pharaoh. And so this bread was supposed to remind them of not just the re- affliction, but how God delivered the people of Israel out of that affliction. Uh, and it was a reminder, again, like, for this is going to be, again, like generations afterwards, right? Like, uh, like 30 generations down. Like, pe- when people have forgotten what it was like to be enslaved, when people have forgotten uh, what it is that their ancestors went through and how God uh, personally saved them, this was supposed to be a vivid reminder, like kind of like, yeah, just a, a way of like reenacting how God brought the people um, out of affliction through eating the bread and killing the Passover lamb and doing this whole festival. So that's one purpose. Any questions about just how, why it was like a memorial or why it served as a statue? It must have been quite vivid because um, every other week, all the rest of the year, you're eating loving bread, you know, bread that's tastier and fluffy and pleasant. And this one week you eat this coarse, harsh bread that's flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we we might not be able to appreciate it fully because, like, for us, we have lots of different food. Like, we don't just eat bread, right? But, like, for them, like, bread is a staple in their diet. Like, it's not like they have, like, they can go, like, get less, uh, Italian food and then Indian food and then Korean food. But then, like, this is, like, what they were eating, like, almost on a daily basis. And for a whole week, they have to eat... Really dry crackers uh, and meat, uh, and so yeah, it, it was like it wasn't just like some cognitive thing, but it helped to make it more vivid. Like Michael was saying, it helped to make it more real in some ways. Um, and so okay, by the way, um, yeah. During uh, communion, we eat something called matzo, matzo crackers. Matzo is the Jewish word for Passover, so that's what. Jewish people eat is the crackers are another bread. Yeah, so if you guys like communion. <laughs> communion <coughs> Communion crackers. I guess with you. Um cool. Okay. So the second purpose and this is like what we really want to get to and spend some more time on is how it was a picture of a prophet of this promise that was to come to fulfillment. That it was like it wasn't just looking back, but that it was a way of looking forward. Um, yeah. Can I ask a question about Deuteronomy sixteen verse two. Yes. Um, at the place the Lord will choose. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was, so the Passover lamb couldn't just be sacrificed, like in your backyard. Like you had to go to designated locations that God had set. Um, yeah. Eventually it was revealed that that location was Jerusalem. Yes. So was it? the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed at Jerusalem. Okay. So that's yeah. why um, this is a, a feast where if you observed it, if you observed the memorial, you had to go to Jerusalem. You couldn't just do it which is important for what you're about to say. Yes. <laughs> so even at that time, it had to be 
No, because it says it's at the, t- at the place where God will reveal. Uh, so it hasn't been revealed yet. It hasn't been revealed at this time. But eventually, at the time of David, God says, um, I will make my name dwell here. He builds the temple. The <laughs> I don't want to say it on record, but um, yeah, that's really cool. Okay, so yeah, that, that does play into um, the next point, um, which is the idea of how, again, there was a picture of what was to come. Tony, you want to read uh, that paragraph from 1 Corinthians 11? Sure. For I received from the Lord, who I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took birth. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Cool. Okay, thanks. So... You guys might have picked up on it already, but one of the reasons why this is significant was because the very week that Jesus himself was crucified in Jerusalem, when this was all happening, it was the week of the Passover. And so if you look at like the, uh, kind of like when once, like that last week, the Holy Week that Jesus uh, is in, it's like it's a huge chunk in each of the Gospels. It's like the last half in most of the Gospels. Right, so there's a call a lot of space allocated to it. Um, that's happening at the same time as this. And Jesus, um, over here in First Corinthians, he's, he's talking about how like he takes these different elements and he talks about how uh, instead of saying that this is what we'll get to it. Instead, but ultimately he's trying to show how it points to himself. And so... Uh, this, the 14th, is when he uh, actually goes into Jerusalem and he tells his disciples to start preparing a room for him. Uh, right, and then so this is where, like, kind of like, we, we, see, we see some parallels here, right? Again, this is the 14th, 15th, 16th, this is Holy Week, or the first month in Passover. And then this is the week when, uh, this, in the day, is when Jesus is eating uh, the Last Supper with his people. And this idea that, like, uh, he's taking these elements, again, like, the Passover lamb was a vivid picture, like we said, about how how God had passed over 
the land and had had spared the people of Israel who were in here and then had slain uh, the people who didn't have the blood on their posts, right? And in the same way, Jesus is saying that that the blood of that lamb uh, and then the flesh that they had been eating of that lamb was actually uh, his blood that was going to save the people and that his uh, body is what was broken. And then like over here, the idea that like the land had to be burned is when is the night, right? The night of that very night he was crucified. Uh, or taken hostage. Um, What's really interesting about the, the account of the Last Supper um, is that they mention all the major elements of the Passover Supper, the wine, the bread. But if you remember the account, they never mention the lamb. Right? Every Passover Supper had a lamb. There's no mention of the lamb. And Jesus is saying something very, very significant, which is that um, the lamb that you have been eating for, for generations on that lamb, on that the real thing is before. So it, it, it would have really, I think it would have really been uh, amazing and it would have probably like, sent shivers down to the disciples' backs as they remembered what the happened. Yeah, I've, like, the idea that, like, that when they were supposed to sacrifice this lamb, a lot of times it was supposed to be a reminder of what God had done back then. Jesus essentially saying that this is uh, that he was the one that was broken and that he was the one whose blood was shed uh, and that he's not just like pointing back to some event that happened in Egypt a couple hundred thousand years ago hundred years ago slash thousand years ago um, but that it was supposed to be a picture of himself so any questions about this like about how Jesus is supposed to be the Passover lamb Uh, and then the last part about the unleavened bread. What is that all about, right? Uh, what, what, how does that play into um, for us now in the, in the New Testament? And so, uh, let's see. Do you, Michael, you want to read that last paragraph? Cleanse out the old leaven that you that you may be a new lamb as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Okay, so we were talking about how um, leaven was a picture of the affliction. We talked about how leaven was a, or eating unleavened bread was a way of like talking about like how the people had to leave Egypt hastily. Uh, but another way that leaven is used throughout the Bible is leaven is a picture of sin. Right? Um, the idea that like yeast, when you like knead it into the dough, it's going to like contaminate the rest of the dough. It's going to like work its, work its way in. It's going to like pervade it. And so one, another way to another way that the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the way it symbolizes is in the 
in the Christian life, uh, we are, the Apostle Paul says, uh, cleanse out the old leaven, take out the old leaven, um, because the Passover lamb has, has been sacrificed. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. And so now we are called to put away the old leaven, right? And we're the, the sin, the pride, whatever. And we are called to replace it with purity and humility. And that for us to eat unleavened bread, is, it's a way of saying like that we are... living in righteousness, living in purity. Um, I think what's what's really interesting about the way that this pattern unfolds is that a lot of times we try to live, uh, we try to like take out the old leaven ourselves, right? Um, we try to say like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna become good people. We're gonna do away with like lying or or sinning. We're gonna do away with like. I don't know, stealing or being bitter towards people and, un- and unforgiveness. We're going to do away with that and then we'll be good. And then God will love us. And then maybe God will accept us. But then the order, if we look at it, is that uh, Christ, the Passover lamb, right, has been sacrificed. And then as, as we remember that, that's why we do away with the old leaven. The order is we re- remember Christ and then that is what enables us and gives us joy as we take out the old leaven, as we remember um, the sacrifice that was done, uh, not just in Egypt, but also during Passover week, um, during Holy Week. And then that's what uh, motivates us to continually take out or do away with the old leaven. It's not... It's not like this, but it's more like that, right? Uh, Any questions? I think that when we think about this order, it really frees us. It really um, gives us a sense of peace because even in my own life, like sometimes I I feel like my motivation for holiness or my motivation to like seek... Uh, purity or or righteousness is so that people will think highly of me or so that God will love me more. Uh, but when we really understand the biblical model or the picture that God has given to us, um, it's as we it's when we think about or reflect or uh, play out this reenact this events that happened. Um, that's what enables us to take out the old leaven. And that's a picture of the gospel, right? Like, um, when we take the elements during communion, uh, we don't, we always say that, like, it's not like, it's only for perfect, sinless people that can take these elements, uh, but it's precisely for sinners who are invited to the table to partake of the elements and then live in a way that's unleavened. Live with the bread of sincerity and truth, not with malice and evil. Any comments, questions, thoughts? One question. Um, so when Jesus was uh, breaking the bread at Passover, 
uh, was was his disciples who were kind of joining him, like around him, <coughs> were they thinking like, wow, well, he he was the representation of the Passover. This is why we take Passover because he was that lamb back in the days of you know Pharaoh and and the Exodus. Or was were like kind of were they thinking that okay, this is something entirely new and. Uh, Okay, from here on out, this is what, this is, n now Now that Jesus is here, this is how we will perceive the Passover. Is it, is it, is it like, do they have both of these pictures in mind now? Or from, from that point on, it's just kind of like, let's, let's mm -hmm. not really, now it makes more sense to think that Jesus is now the bread and his... Oh. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're asking, like, at the actual dinner itself, did the people, did the disciples, know what Jesus was doing? Yeah. In like, terms of like showing how like the Passover was a was a pointer to him. Kind, kind of like kind of how what we're doing now, like we're realizing that you know this is a, in fact a representation of or it points to Christ. Mm -hmm. Did they kind of have that same like feeling? Or I guess. Um, do you have any thoughts? Okay, um, so I, I, didn't, I don't know if there's anything, I didn't come across anything that would answer that question directly, but in my opinion, I would say that the disciples might not have known at the time, but by the time they were writing the Gospels, um, that they didn't know. By the time they were, because like, yeah, but, but by the time like they were writing like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, um, the parallels, they, they write in such a way that it's always pointing to how, how Jesus uh, set his face to Jerusalem, how he was constantly going there, and that he was there purposely like during Passover week so that he could um, share this meal. And even the way that the writers talk about Jesus um, breaking the elements, I think they clearly have this analogy in mind. But during the actual dinner, uh, the disciples were a lot of times like hard-hearted and foolish. And slow to learn. I think um, Jesus, we have to remember that when Jesus was uh, eating the Passover with his disciples, he was doing something really radical, and it's hard for us to appreciate because we're not Jewish. We didn't have the Passover meal every year for, for our entire lives, but he was breaking protocol. Mm -hmm. There was a certain set of uh, things you had to say and certain things that you had to do for it to be a legitimate Passover. And Jesus, changed all the rules. And so he would say, this is the bread, and everyone was expecting to say, this is the bread of our affliction back in Egypt. He said, no, this is the bread of my affliction. And then people expected him to talk about the wine in terms of the joy of leaving Exodus. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. That he was saying crazy stuff, you know? Stuff that he was totally breaking the rules. And the disciples, we know, were completely confused. They were like looking at each other, whispering, what the heck is Jesus? And did they know that Jesus was talking about his death? No, because when Jesus says, all right, let's get up and go, and they're like, okay. You know, and so they had no idea what was going on. In fact, Judas, who was there at the Passover, midway he gets up to go and betray Jesus. So they had no idea. And it was only after the cross that all the connections started to make sense, and they realized Christ is the Passover lamb slain for us. 
And I think what's really amazing about the Exodus story as well is God didn't say, oh yes, the Israelites will be saved and the Egyptians will be killed. He said anyone who doesn't have the blood of the Lamb will be killed and anyone who has the blood of the Lamb will be saved. And so there were Egyptians who were saved because they had the blood of the Lamb. And there were Israelites who were killed because they didn't have the blood. Because that Passover, I mean the, uh, the, the angel of death is a picture of the final judgment. Right? It's a preview of uh, day of judgment. And it doesn't matter whether you're Jewish or Egyptian. It just matters do you have the blood of the Lamb coming. And, and then I think we should be able to say, that doesn't make any sense. Why should God uh, forgive our sins and, 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 uh, and negate Judgment Day simply because of some lamb being killed? And the answer is, it was always a picture of the real thing. And uh, I think that's, that's amazing. You know? Actually, I, I don't understand how Jewish people could look at the Passover feast and say, this isn't, how could this not be Jesus? Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's really striking. I mean, the picture of Jesus is so, so, so cool. Any other last comments or thoughts? It says in, um, in the Old Testament, this is a, a feast, a, a memorial that you are to observe as a statue forever. Generation after generation. How come we're not doing it? <laughs> Uh, well, we do do it in the sense that we celebrate the communion, uh, that that is like the ultimate fulfillment or picture of uh, that Passover. Um, so it's like a fuller picture. It's like a more clearer picture of what was being accomplished. That, that, that was just a shadow, right? What happened in Egypt was just a shadow. Yeah, so we are, in fact, in the church eating the Passover. Um, and we're partaking of the lamb. Not literally. Uh, alrighty. Any last? Okay, let me pray first and then we'll head over. Uh, Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you um, that you have been that you, even from Egypt, even from a couple thousand years ago, that you had been uh, preparing the church, preparing your people to understand Christ in a better way. And we pray that as we continue to think about our Passover lamb, Christ Jesus, and how he was sacrificed, and how we are saved through his blood and his flesh, that it would motivate us anew to take out the old leaven, that it would motivate us anew to do so with delight and joy and to continually worship you for all that you've done and so we thank you in your name we pray amen